0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors.
1: Hi, welcome to Comeback City, where we explore Detroit's past, (laughs) present, and future. Today, we are talking about the Guardian Building in downtown Detroit. This episode is brought to you by Spectacular Strolls. Spectacular Strolls offers 15 historic walks in Detroit. Each walk is a self-guided 20-minute tour. Visit SpectacularStrolls.com to order your next Detroit history adventure. I'm Linda Shepard, and I have um, two co-hosts today. One is Matt... Mm -hmm. Shankin. Shankin. There we go. The Curious Cousin partner... And also we have Ed Brohardt, who um, we all share a love of this beautiful, beautiful building. Hi, Ed. How are you doing?
2: I'm good, Linda. Good to see you. Nice to meet you, Matt. Nice to meet you, Ed. Would you be considered a docent? Oh, I don't think I have risen to that level yet, but, you know, it's something I'd like to do, maybe. Excellent.
1: Well, I know Ed has done some research on the subject. And Matt visited the building for the very first time today and I'm anxious to hear what was your impression of it Matt?
0: <sighs> Linda I tried to visit the building today.
1: It didn't happen.
0: I have a bone to pick with Detroit. What happened? Parking.
1: Yes, parking is a problem.
0: I I went in with no money. I I did not bring cash because I wanted to see if I could park close enough to get to the Guardian. You know, it
1: is a problem. Yeah, good luck with that.
0: I I don't know if it's a problem. Uh, I got a ticket the other day in front of a cafe at 8 in the morning for $65 out in the outskirts. Now, we're going to talk about the Guardian building. But I just I, I wanted to bring this up because it feels like sometimes Detroit kicks itself in the shins when it's trying to do all the right things. And that aside, um, I have visited the Guardian Building. Good. It is a remarkable.
1: (laughs) I'm so happy. (laughs) It
0: is a remarkable building, um, and uh, I can't wait to hear more about it.
1: Great. Great. Now, Ed, I know you've done some research on the subject, and uh, that research centers around The person who was the architect?
2: Yes. Um, Well, let me give you a little bit of background on me. Um, I taught in Bloomfield Hill Schools for um, 20-some years and um, used to include in my coursework trips down to Detroit, sometimes architectural, sometimes historic, uh, more than anything else to give suburban uh, kids a chance to – See what it was like south of Eight Mile, and have that Detroit experience because some of them had lived in very isolated, privileged. Uh, and, yeah, it's privileged, a very encapsulated. Story. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And I also made a point of invite. Excuse me, <clears throat> of inviting the parents <clears throat> to go as chaperones because. Rather than a school bus, not only does that limit your time because you have to be on the school bus schedule and leave early, leave late, come back early. Um, Parents uh, really loved to have the experience, too.
1: For sure. Yeah.
0: This was during the time when coming to downtown Detroit wasn't necessarily – a thing to do.
2: That's right. This is all before the the, the real renaissance. That before we're Comeback now, City. Before Comeback City. And uh, it was perceived as a scary place. Um, so, you know, and, and the way that I did it was... Um, not only did I take them to certain venues, like for instance the Detroit Institute of Art, I used heavily because I love art. I loved incorporating it in my lessons, and I even devised like treasure or you know scavenger hunts and things for Great them idea. to do to get them all around the building and um, and involved. And um, but I would also take them to the Eastern Market. I had some connections there, including the uh the president who would talk to them very personably. Uh we would eat breakfast down there, um uh, which was great for them. And um then I would take them on a walking tour of Ferry Street, for instance, and yeah, some of the uh for sure. the um The home architecture and and, uh, it was just a terrific thing. They came back. They'd rave about it and I still hear from kids on Facebook. Did you take
1: them to the Guardian building?
2: Uh, I didn't because it was just too much to try, to, again, you can't do everything. parking and things like parking that.
1: Parking downtown and, is tricky.
2: And it was too hard to get from Midtown down there. So we did center around that, that you Midtown know, area. I,
0: I did try. You know, I uh, Linda is a big proponent of the people mover and there's the queue line and yeah. I kind of drove around uh, to try to find those intersections where I might and, uh, you know, it's still tough but um, – Fully for you, I am I'm uh-huh. really impressed that uh, you 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 are uh, you you made that pulse continue. You know you you educated. Yeah, that's just great, man. And well, I, th-
1: awesome. you know, there was kind of a perception too that so many of the buildings in Detroit were empty, that's and right. the Guardian Building is one that has always it's been all,
2: yes. it ha- now, occupied, that doesn't viable. Mean, it didn't mean it didn't fall on hard times. When I first discovered the Guardian Building, they were only beginning the – or they had just begun the first renovations. Uh, I mean they had done terrible things as they did in, in most – Drop ceilings. Drop ceilings, acoustical tiles, covering up the magnificent original uh, work. Um and and in
0: some ways, covering it up kind of saved it too, in a way.
2: Possibly, uh, yeah. At least it, it kept it viable as a place of business. But of course, because of Detroit, because of its reputation, because of the lack of of commerce and the, you know. Uh, uh, fleeing to the suburbs both by not only residents but also um, corporations, sure. um, you know, they couldn't give away space down there. They and, couldn't.
1: But, you know, the Guardian Building is a story of the Roaring Twenties. It, it totally
2: is. It absolutely is.
1: Detroit during the 1920s was a huge growing city. It was the fastest growing city in the country. You know, it was an important manufacturing center at the turn of the centri- century, and the auto industry after World War One drove an economic expansion that just spurned all this wealth throughout the community.
0: Kind of like the Silicon Valley, really a little up, bit, yeah,
2: very much for sure. Yeah. Well, and let me let me give you a stat. In 1900, um, we had just a little over 250 thousand people in Detroit, and um, by 19. 19- 40, there were 1.6 million. That's a jump. Think think of that. And much of that happened.
0: 1900, how many? What was it?
2: 265,000. I mean, a little over a quarter million people. Wow. Which was a big town. You know, it was a big regional city. It wasn't New York or Philadelphia or something, but it was big. But that explosive growth. But then explosive growth. And this came with, of course, industrialization.
1: Absolutely. But you know, a lot of money too, and a lot of people willing to spend money on beautiful buildings. And during the 1920s, uh, the Book Building, the Book Cadillac Hotel, the Book Tower were built. Uh, the Fisher Building, the Penobscot Building, and the Fox Theater. This was all during the 1920s. It was, yep.
0: And it's kind of the the heyday of the Art Deco movement.
1: Absolutely,
2: yeah. Well, of course and, – and it wasn't even called Art Deco. We, we've called it that yeah. in retrospect. It wasn't until the 19 – really almost the 50s that uh, art historians began calling it Art Deco. It had been called um, Art mo- uh, Modern, mm-hmm. Streamline, a uh, number of different things. But you know as of, you know often it's in re- retrospect that you really give names to things like so such and such uh, era, <laughs> like people in the middle ages didn't so, know they were living in the middle ages right so you
0: you had you know mentioned that you know Detroit kind of these buildings suffered because of the downturn of uh the economy, but and in fact, that Detroit maintained and held lots of architectural. Um, jewels because there wasn't a lot of growth too, right? There weren't a lot
2: of tear downs. There
0: weren't a lot of tear downs, so it's it's unique in that way.
2: Yeah, right? I mean, it tended to be more maybe neglect, um, but you know, th- things would deteriorate, and so you know, you get to your magnificent ruins, some irredeemable, but yes. some were you know still there, and there's uh, an
1: awful lot of historic know, possibly viable, so. yeah.
2: I'd, we're seeing that now. Um, sure. that it's valued more. But um, in so, any, when I first started doing uh, the Guardian, uh, when I first began to research the Guardian building, I, I took a, my second master's was through Central Michigan, and it was um, it was art in. Uh, I took a course called Art in the Industrial Age. It was part of a humanities program, and it was taught by a wonderful man, art historian. Uh, who actually uh, re- rehabbed a mansion down on Alfred Street, and his name was Michael Farrell. Very, very entertaining professor, and he introduced the class to the uh, you know the wonders of the architecture of Detroit, including walking tours and things like that. Yeah, and uh, that was the first time I actually spent time inside the Guardian Building, although I had seen it as a little kid going down to the Bobble Boat and things like that. Yeah, so. Uh, I wound up doing a final paper for the class on the Guardian building. So that was my first real deep dive into the history of the building. Well, it's a pretty
1: interesting history. Um, The Union Trust Company Mm -hmm. commissioned this and I looked up what the Union Trust Company was. And it was um, four different investors, Uh, Senator James McMillan, Dexter M. Ferry, the Mm -hmm. Ferry Seed, Ferry Seed. the Russell Alger, Frank Hecker, and Christian Buell. I guess that's five guys. Mm -hmm. And so they commissioned the architectural firm of Smith Hinchman and and Grills Grills Mm -hmm. to design their headquarters. And Mm. then they turned that task over to head designer Wirt Roland. And you've done a lot of background. Yeah, well,
2: Wirt Roland was an interesting character because – he was a, um, a kid from a little town in Michigan, Clinton, and he, you know, at a very early age, he knew, I mean, he loved drawing and things and he was always drawing buildings, houses, churches, cathedrals, and he announced at the age of nine to his mother that he was going to be an architect, but he didn't have any training. He didn't have any art training at all. He had, so obviously, some natural talent. Um, but he was able to sell himself and uh started working as an apprentice with a number of Detroit area um architects most notably Albert Kahn uh he was untrained he had never had an architectural course but he clearly you know became an amazing So he learned on the job on the job and after a while and in fact he even helped Kahn as a draftsman on some of his early important works like the U of M um, library. Rackham. They, the the uh, Rackham. Such yes, a beautiful uh-huh, building. Yeah. And um, he worked on Northern High School, Eastern High School which are, are – have always been considered just classics um, and a number of other things for, for Khan. Even did some work on the plant. Well, that was later on for the Fisher Building. But at a certain point, Albert Kahn said, "You really need to get some official training. You need to get the creds." Yeah. And so he recommended that he take some college work. Well, not only did Wirt Rowland take college work, he applied to Harvard University. And he was accepted with absolutely no educational background, simply on his merits and these recommendations as, in fact, they called him a very special student in quotes. Wow. (laughs) So he completed his whole degree in um, a little over one year.
1: That is amazing. And
2: uh, so he had his degree from Harvard. So he came back to Detroit and – Worked with some people, but was rehired also by Albert Kahn, and then in maybe a more official capacity, worked side by side with Kahn on some of his classic designs. Um, later on, he, you know, like a lot of geniuses, he uh, kind of chafed under the, you know, the the direction sure. of someone else whose yeah. style was a little bit different. Um, Wirt Rowland had a little more. Flamboyant, uh, you know. You
1: know, you can tell that.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: You just walk into and, the Guardian and building. And the
2: times were changing. And so even though um, even though uh, Albert Kahn had moved in the direction of incorporating the new um, art, what we call Art Deco, uh, the new style, which had begun uh, in Paris, um, Ward-Rollin wanted to take it further. And Kahn was still doing a lot of things in kind of Italianate Renaissance classical design. And uh, so he went to this newer firm, Smith Hinchman & Grills, and uh, they welcomed him with open arms. And then the people you cited, the Union Trust Building had been um, just kind of a you know local bank, but they wanted to have a much more regional and even national presence. Oh. And, you know, this was boom times. This yeah. was the roaring 20s, you know. There was a lot of money floating they wanted, around, they ready wanted, to go into the bank. They wanted to make a statement and they wanted it to be something different than the usual quote-unquote classical, you know, bank building. Right. And so they hired Wirt and gave him basi- basically carte blanche. Uh, and because he was very, very savvy at in how he spent the money that they gave him, he produced this one-of-a-kind architectural gem.
0: So, when I uh, gave up on going back to the Guardian, uh, I went on my man on the street kind of thing, and I uh, met the uh, a, 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 the flutist for the Detroit Symphony, and he said, "Well, I, you know, I did one of my dissertations on that," and I said, "Tell me succinctly what it is about the Guardian building that that." Matters to you that it that it meant that much and in in very short order he his description of the building brought back these memories of my interaction with that building the warmth the the the, the you know there are few buildings that you can put pictures to feeling right to be in the building it's a building like few other right and i I just so that's the unique thing about I think the Guardian Building is that you can visit it once. Somebody can describe it again uh, years later and uh, you're like, you know, I can see those pictures. I, mm-hmm. You know how and, – and is that design, is the Guardian Building really um, under his – name? this uh, architect that you speak of mm-hmm. uh, that uh, – I mean is it was, – was it a culmination of or was this his
2: –
1: I think it was his vision. It was his vision, okay. and, it, and it's a mashup of Native American, Aztec arts and crafts, it Art is, Deco, it is. yeah, and somehow it works
2: well, beautifully. He, his his model hmm. for a collaboration to build a beautiful building was the medieval cathedral. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. It and has a
1: very cathedral look yeah. to it.
2: Well, it, it was called the Cathedral of Finance. Right. That was its nickname. I mean, it was in all their brochures, the Cathedral of Finance. And in fact, it was more than just a, a term. I mean, it literally um, represents or copies the layout of a medieval cathedral. Um, you can see it, you can see it in the plans yeah there 's a long nave there 's a Back. sort of a transept where the the two levels where it goes up to the banking chamber and you have the elevators on one side, you have the entrance on the other side so uh, and then uh, probably at about the point where the 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 huge clock is where you go into the uh, banking chamber you 're that's like the altar area and then beyond it would be an apse, okay? An extended one to be sure. But uh the only thing is he extended it up to 39 floors, you know? And uh and then had all a, this
0: architectural, you know, uh, originality and detail and mash up and and right. again creating The detail
2: the, is incredible. Well, because of because of the collaborative thing, it was his design, his vision. But he wanted to involve the very best craftsmen. And part of, the whole, part of the whole essence of Art Deco, when done right, was that it was top quality materials, mm. okay? Right. And it was the, the newest space age, if you will, materials. Things that had never been used before. Even developing new kinds of metal like Monel, M-O-N-E-L. Which is uh, was extensively used, and that's a precursor to stainless steel, and it's beautiful. That's uh, and all of the uh, like the elevator doors, the huge uh, see-through screen that surrounds the Tiffany clock uh, between the two areas, the the lobby and the bank, the finance chamber. um, That's all in monel metal.
1: Yeah, that screen. That divides the lobby from the banking hall on the second mm-hmm. floor. Mm-hmm. That's all Monel metal. And yeah. it is a work of art. It is absolutely beautiful. Of course, in the center, it has a clock designed by Tiffany. By
2: Tiffany. With, for sure. With uh, Zodiac, uh, very subtle Zodiac themes around it. Um, what Ort Roland wanted to do, he wanted something that would absolutely appeal to the senses and that you could see from going by quickly, because the twenties was all about moving fast. Okay, hmm. it wasn't like uh, the the Renaissance where things were. You know, you, you would you would go up to art and you would ponder it and look. He wanted something that would have a big splashy effect
1: from the outside. From
2: the outside, and the way he did that was in design and color, especially color. Remember, there were all these new no. people, these, these potential bank patrons. Many of them just off the boat, 25% of the uh, clients there, um, barely spoke English. These were new immigrants to America. So he needed something. He also needed something that someone going by at higher speed in a car would say, whoa, what's that? You know? And so he used Recognizable symbols and um, bright colors, right. and uh, just dramatic patterns.
1: Tangerine colored bricks.
2: Yes, and he designed which those. is very
1: unusual.
2: It, well, it's, it was the tallest brick building in the world, and he um, and, and unusual for a skyscraper. But that's how that's part of his brilliance. He only used the really expensive marbles and granites on the first floor on the outside so that he and and so he cut his cost by a huge amount by having all the rest of the floors done in this brick and he even designed the color himself and uh it became so iconic that it became known as guardian brick and they marketed it as that for other projects
0: so oh, so uh there's kind of this uh history of architecture through you know uh, commercial r- architecture and there's kind of this ebb and flow where you know architecture gets uh, architects get very conservative and they kind of follow a form and a function uh maybe it harkens back to romanesque or whatever that that when a design like the guardian comes out mm-hmm. that it that it makes a statement that it works that fundamentally changes the way in which culture around other architects doing other designs that, you know, and I think that this building may represent one of those moments of real change of the way in which buildings were built, correct? I, mean, I this can't is-
1: believe how innovative he was. And to bring mm-hmm. in all this artistry, I mean pawabic pottery.
2: Yeah. Um well there were you know in the lobby there is a uh, a wonderful piece uh, behind that's mounted on the wall um, behind
1: the lobby uh, yeah,
2: desk behind the lobby desk and it actually states the mission and it makes it very clear about its financial mission uh but also the fact that it um that it incorporated master craftsmen in constructing this building OK, uh, there were 40 and they were master craftsmen. And many of them were Roland worked again with again and again in the Detroit, the Michigan area and even out of state. Um, just like with the mid- medieval cathedrals. Just, yes, um, absolutely. You had the people, the, the the families of craftsmen that did, you know, sculptures or did metal work or did. Um, well, he used Corrado
1: Parducci, uh, yes. who is. Does unbelievable relief work, and he had he did a lot of work on the outside of the building, mm-hmm. on the inside of the building. Um,
2: well, Parducci was a good, uh, became a good, very close friend of of uh, Wurts. In fact, at Roland's funeral, uh, following his very last project, which by the way was Kirk in the Hills in Bloomfield Hills. Um, Parducci gave a, like a moving eulogy. Oh, and uh, but uh, Parducci was the the quintessential Art Deco artist because he did the huge, um, well, architects call it, uh, historians call it uh, Greco Deco. Uh, it's a you know huge uh, kind of stylized figures. Um, almost looking kind of Egyptian, yes, uh, and uh, with slight relief. Uh, perfect example of his so, work is on the Shrine of the Little Flower in Royal Oak, oh.
1: uh,
2: with with the uh, the Roman so, guards and the Christ and the angels who, by the way, look like Carol Lombard. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah.
1: She was the so, model for so those she angels. The model, so I don't know if she was quite an angel.
2: <laughs> so,
0: so um, I am just energized by your enthusiasm. Uh, you know, Linda loves this. Bi- Linda loves you know the architecture of Detroit. Mm-hmm. You do. Mm-hmm. We're throwing out a lot of terms and a lot of things that our listeners may not be you know familiar with. Could either of you kind of describe just as you walk into the building? Mm-hmm. Could you give us uh, like instead of giving definitions of pozzolite sure. and things like that, take us through the front door? Okay.
1: Well, well. My favorite thing in the building. I mean. It's so beautiful, everything in it. But I love the mural that is on the back wall of the large lobby area where the bank is. It's a huge mural of the... It's a six-story high mural, and it's a map of Michigan. Michigan, And it was... It's done a,
2: by an artist named Ezra Winter. Ezra Winter. In, uh, he Traverse was born City, in Traverse City, worked in Manistee, yeah, an up north guy.
1: Right. And he also did um, murals uh, in the Library of Congress and the Fountain of Youth m- mural in the foyer of Radio uh,
2: City Music Hall. Yeah, it's the one that goes up the stairway. And that's that's the epitome of Art Deco, too. Absolutely. And, and Ed? Take us through when you walk through the building. Well, it's, it's it kind of an unusual building because it's very narrow and very long. It's a whole block long, but it's only like half a block wide. And this isn't a wide block between Woodward and Griswold. So just like a cathedral would be long and narrow. So you have that sense. Uh, there's an entrance on Congress Street. There's the main entrance on Griswold. And then they're at the corner kind of kitty-corner from one another. And as you walk in, there's like, oh, about a three-story recess uh, and with a kind of a recessed inverted dome at the top. And all the way down the sides of this are um, architectural details and sculpture pieces, Uh, some in Puabic, some done in granite by... Parducci uh, and they represent themes of the bank, okay? So on each side, the two huge sentries on either side over a story tall are these two massive figures. One is holding a sword and that's for safety, okay? And the other is holding a giant key. That's for security. Wow. A bank, right? Uh, and anyone worldwide, whether they're English speakers or not, would recognize those figures and say, oh, that's the bank I want. Um, and then above, above uh, along the sides and above are beehives. Because That's that right. is for industry, Busy okay? Bees. Busy bees, you know, the saving and and uh, um, you know the work ethic and all of that.
0: I, I love how you guys parse out, you know, the 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 six story tall mural and these mm-hmm. pieces. When I went in there, it, um, lighting to me, uh, fluorescent lighting, you know, poor, uh, it, it hurt. When I went into that building, it was so warm. It, it's, it's warm and yeah, understated, it, yeah. And and it's almost and you're kind of overwhelmed by all of the mashup of mm-hmm. the textures. There's so and much stuff.
1: going on. Yeah, and
0: and uh, to me the, the the memory is this feeling that you yeah just the warmth, the lighting, almost
1: the, like a church, a cathedral uh-huh. with those arches, but. But almost
0: painterly in a way, like a, yeah. like a, like a go, like a very like, painterly. Yeah, because of the textures
2: and there's the textures. colors, and, and because of the and, colors, I think unusual colors. Because of the unusual colors and the, uh, and the, the brightness and boldness. Okay, but still in a subtle way. Okay, nothing seems out of place. Um, you don't have the coldness that you feel That's in a right. cathedral. Okay, right. You have the massive set the the sense of immensity, but you do. But you. But it's still intimate somehow. With a twist. Yeah, with a twist. The whole ceiling and the uh, in the lobby is done in Rookwood tiles. Rookwood is a, a, a very old, very respected, high quality uh, ceramics company in Cincinnati, Ohio. So all, most of these were were from the Midwest. Most of the materials, and those are in greens and oranges and yellows, and they and they duplicate the whole beehive theme wow. because they're all hexagons. Okay, oh, but they're right. elongated hexagons with thirty degree and sixty degree angles, and in fact, Bert Roland used that same dynamic throughout the building. He even designed furniture. In the boardrooms and everything, um, that were Art Deco furniture with the same backs, with the same um, desi- designs.
0: If our listeners aren't getting up off their seat, and <laughs> heading down to that Guardian oh, building they, right now. Gotta I got to do it. I, I, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm going to um, weather well, that. Parking. I have
2: been
1: to the Guardian building uh, several times in the last two months with mm-hmm. four people who had never been to the building before. Wow. It's a job, smash. both of (laughs) – it was two different couples and both of them went into shock. Yeah. When we walked into the doors, they were just amazed. Um, Two months ago, I took a tour of the Guardian building. Pure Detroit gives free tours Mm -hmm. every Saturday and Sunday. Right. And they're great because they take you to the top of the building, the top floor. Where the former uh, cafeteria is also – decorated in the same style as the lobby and that cafeteria features beautiful large windows with magnificent views it's the of the, whole, the river the whole
2: central part of the building and the the windows are on both sides looking up river down river you can see all the way to Toledo you can see all the way to uh almost up to Port Huron on a good day wow. Uh, it's just incredible. Light streams in, and yet they don't sacrifice any of the design elements, okay? Even the giant carpet is in, is in the same kind of motif, yeah. which is sort of a Mayan Aztec design. When,
0: when, when you go to Chicago and they, you know, they have great architecture too. Oh, yeah,
2: Detroit. And, or, uh, uh, Chicago is the, yes. is the architecture and, city.
0: And you look at some of the, um, uh, oh, the mid-century design, the the sleek building with lots of glass, right? Mm. Uh, who was the architect of uh, – um, uh, oh, come on. He's the kind of father of that type of
1: oh. – Mies van der Rohe?
0: Yeah, Mies van der Rohe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then people said, oh, we like the style. And then they cheapen it up and they make lots of buildings that, you know, kind mm-hmm. of are in the, you know, style of. But they just kind of – they don't, you know, because it's – I think the Guardian building kind of stands on the the level of quality. You couldn't really duplicate that. And
2: artistry. You couldn't duplicate that on the cheap, right? That's right. Even to details like um, you've probably been blown away by the ceiling, the vaulted ceiling, the barrel vault ceiling in the banking chamber, okay?
1: Absolutely.
2: Well, the thing that you realize is so phenomenal that you would never find in a bank anywhere is that it's fabric. It's right. made out of fabric. It's horsehair and canvas. What? Meticulously painted in the right. same designs as the walls. Uh, it's for walls. sound,
1: isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's
2: for sound. It You know, there it there, there is absolutely no echoing in that the huge ceiling. space. So down at the end, you have the Ezra – winter amazing michigan uh with the indian maiden and rays are coming out to all the different areas of michigan and uh citing all the things that uh that are important to michigan like uh industry agriculture lumber lumbering um you know uh what made Michigan, yes, the things that made Michigan interesting mining uh, and so that's that's your backdrop at the end. this unbelievable all in um th- this vaulted ceiling in fabric, okay, so it, it deadens any sound reflection you don't get you know sounds going back and forth. Uh, this gorgeous travertine marble floor uh, using about four different kinds of marble uh, including this gorgeous Numidian marble which is like a deep blood red okay and that same color um, reflected in a Aztec mayan um, design on the ceiling you know it's it's it it almost blows you away. It and does yet, blow you away. And so. yet, uh, and what they've done now, that it's no longer a bank, although there still is a bank presence at one end, is they have all this these clusters of very comfortable furniture yes. and small tables, uh, coffee tables, and tables. And they have um, cafes. Two days a week, pop-ups come in and serve lunch, you know. Oh. Uh, and uh, so they have about six or seven different luncheon choices. Um, it's a great place to sit and relax. You, you, and- I was there for three hours, okay? Wow. And uh, they have Wi-Fi um- Available availability. So I just I read, I did some research. And you
1: went on a rainy, crummy day. It was a it was what a a beautiful place to spend a rainy, crummy Michigan day. Talk
2: about a retreat. Okay. So I talked with the barista, I said, and how does it being down here? She said it's really great. And then she pointed out that now almost a hundred percent uh there's almost a hundred percent occupancy in the building. Of course, the the main uh, tenant is Wayne County, because they have, you know, a lot of their offices there. I think that's where the the board meets, um, which—and I see they're renovating the whole vault area down below, and I think that's going to be where they're going to do that. And— they even have, like she said, interesting thing, they just opened a yoga studio on the top floor. Oh, really? what, a, what a great place to do your... Uh, your, your that might even your...
1: inspire me to take a yoga <laughs> class. <laughs> so, yeah, that's
2: right. Tangent alert.
0: So, Ed, you are our third guest, is that correct? Yes. So, we, so Linda and I are kind of new to this, and we're getting feedback about the podcast, and uh, boy, I'll tell you, my siblings, my family, they're a little, you know. And so, uh, we... Uh, we, we um, we want to have a little pause here mm-hmm. uh, because uh, they say, "Boy, you guys really put in a lot of information, right?" So, and you, you know, if I could describe Ed, the enthusiasm on his face—it's <laughs> uh, just—it's—it's it's intriguing. So, uh, tangent alert—that's what I'm going to start calling these. Okay. Okay. Uh, when you mention, and again, mention the architect. It, his name is?
2: Wirt Roland. Wirt. W-I-R-T. I don't know if that's short for something else or they just call him it's Wirt. It's kind
1: of an unusual name. It
2: is. It is. Well,
0: Wirt. it sounds like this was an unusual kid. And, unusual kid. And when you mentioned that, you know, by the age of nine, he said, you know, I'm going to be an architect, mm-hmm. that he got through Harvard in a year, that he that he uh, bosomed up to Albert Kahn. When, when you think about the originality, you know, he took a basic – design principle Mm -hmm. and then he created this fanciful and and dignified and outrageous do you think he had been designing that his whole life in some way do you think that that the that what we see is really an expression that you know and i kind of you know damn it i i never had you know i haven't had a plan for 30 years (laughs) I, i haven't really had a plan for 50 years and I, and I marvel when you hear about these you know kids that just and they end up Mozart writing a, a symphony at mm-hmm. you know 10 or 11 mm-hmm. in, in your experience with this building and with architecture, and I don't know how much you know about him or how much history is about
2: him. Is it him? Um, I think he was the right person at the right time, for sure. But you have to – I think you have to give credit to the time that this was all happening in, which was really encouraging this kind of thing. I mean there's an irony in this whole story about Wirt Rolland <coughs> and the Guardian building and the the huge uh, building boom, much of it Art Deco, uh, in, in Detroit and – the irony is that this was built in 1929. The uh, Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties. The uh, Penobscot building was built just a year earlier. Ward Rowland had already done the Buell building across yes. the street. Which right across is the street. more subdued, but also has some wonderful Art Deco elements. Um, but think of the date 1929. This wonderful new company. It's boomtown, it's the roaring 20s, anything goes, okay, life in the fast lane. One year later, guess what? The stock market crashed.
1: And the banks.
2: And the banks. And the union trust was not immune to that. Hmm. One by one, they just crashed. And, you know, here was this this amazing thing with all all these – Flourishes in flour, flourishes in details, originality, uh, yeah, originality. But you know, there were people that lost everything in this. Many of their, m- many of their clients did. It was only because um, some of the people you mentioned. Um, Worked very hard to keep the union trust afloat, but they had to. Uh, I, I think they went through a bankruptcy thing, the, a reorganization. They changed the name. That's when they added the Guardian part. Um, and so, you know, when we were talking earlier about how this was like a beacon for other people, in some ways it wasn't because this the, was almost like the, the
0: representation. Yeah, the, uh,
2: the end of the line. You know, this was like the apotheosis, you know, this was like there was nowhere to go from here because the money all dried up. May
0: may I be macabre for a moment Mm -hmm. as you read about 1929 and Mm -hmm. the stockbrokers and Mm -hmm. how many jumped from windows? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to know how many jumped from the Guardian building, (laughs) but are there a lot of windows? Lots and lots of windows. (laughs) (laughs)
1: windows, Beautiful. I mean –
0: are the offices, so describe, like, so there's these vast expanses up, three stories, six stories. Mm-hmm. Are the offices, is well, there
2: a, what, Once uh, you get up past the, the you know, the, the, the main... The, the lobby and the uh, banking chamber, then it becomes, you know, a regular floor-by-floor building. It's not like a,
1: yes, you know, okay.
2: a, a bi-level all the way up. Uh, those are, you know, th- those are at two different levels, okay? So you go half a flight down to the... Uh, the um, Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. From the lobby, you go half right. a flight down to the vault. It's kind of like a okay? two-level
1: lobby. Yeah. Yeah. The vault's with I, the stairway.
2: Yeah, and I always think about uh it's like walking into a tri-level in some ways, you know. So you go half a flight down to the uh the uh vaults, uh and they're doing some wonderful things there. It's under construction now. Um but I, I I always think of that using the cathedral metaphor, that those are like the catacombs. You there know? you go. You know? so, <laughs> so, what's
1: buried in those yes, walls. that's right.
2: So, and then half a right. flight up to this, you know, just amazing um, – uh, banking chamber, long and narrow with the vaulted ceiling. But then above all of that, it's just regular floors. Although the detail doesn't stop down there. The travertine continues. Even the bathrooms. Um, they have windows, two or three Windows on every floor in every restroom looking out on this cityscape. Uh, The travertine marble, uh, they add different kinds with green veins in it, things like that. Um, That
1: top floor is a little bit of a museum, too. The lobby and the hallway leading to the former cafeteria is lined with huge pictures of the building during construction. The way it looked back in the nineteen thirties. Right.
2: You can see his original um his furniture, his plans, that he designs, his plans. The
1: brickwork, yeah. um pictures of when it was halfway completed. You know what else they had?
2: Uh on the because it there's there's like a dual spire, sort of like the cathedral at Chart, if I dare say it, um, on the, that's one taller on one end and not as tall on the other. But they're like outcroppings that go up, and they're painted in um, even more distinctive uh, Mayan and Aztec colors with uh, whites and blacks and greens and everything in this sort of zigzag um, right. design. And the taller one originally had multicolored spotlights flashing out from all of the different little inserts in all directions. Oh. I imagine that not only would it be expensive to do, but it might bring down planes or something. <laughs> I don't know. But in any event, this was must have been a startling thing to see.
1: Oh, absolutely. 30, you
2: know, 40 stories up, these shooting rays of light in various colors. Sounds going in all directions. <laughs> uh,
0: were were there any um, you know like Frank Lloyd Wright, uh, um, Steve, Ge- you know, or Gary uh, and the Bilbo? You know, their designs were innovative. They were creative. Mm-hmm. You know, they had some d- structural issues uh, with it. Is there mm-hmm. was there anything structurally that in in the in in his kind
2: of design and doing like the, over the years that they've said, oh, he kind of blew that one. Yeah. I don't think I don't so. Think I haven't so. come up with anything. I have not come no. I mean at the very fact that it's still standing and I mean even with uh, you know, like um yeah, seventy five yeah. years of total neglect, um it still, you know, presented itself pretty well. Everything around it was kind of a wreck, but um Well you the
1: sixties I think they well, that, Modernized well, it. The modern,
2: yeah, they did the horrible and things. And like the they covered up. They yes. covered over much of the art. But it
1: kind of protected it in a way too.
2: Yeah, yeah. And Matthew mentioned that, and I think that's that's probably true. You know. You know,
1: I, we should talk a little bit about where exactly it is because people should go down and see this absolutely stunning building. Right. It um, when you are downtown Detroit. If you're on Woodward, which is basically Detroit's main street, mm-hmm. it's going to be one block west of Woodward mm-hmm. on Griswold.
2: Uh huh. Griswold is the Wall Street of Detroit, the right, financial, the street. financial district, and all you know, all the main banks were represented there. And the, the the and
1: say if you're at Campus Martius, you're uh-huh. going to walk uh, towards the river, walk say, a couple blocks.
2: To Congress Street. To
1: Congress Street. Turn right on Congress Street. There is an entrance on Congress Street. The yes. last time I was there, that entrance wasn't open. Was it open?
2: It, they're both open. They're both open. They both have. There's an entrance on yeah.
1: Congress Street and Griswold.
2: Griswold, yeah. And like I said, they're right around the corner they, from each right. other. They
0: are doing – there is construction afoot around that corner. Uh, you know, a lot of people are familiar with Cobo Hall. It's kind of Kitty corner. You know,
2: uh Cobo's. It's in that
1: direction. It, it is. It's I, in that
2: direction, yeah. Cobo's down at Washington Boulevard, but which is two blocks further. But right. This, and, and but it's just,
1: west of Woodward. And it's
2: one block north of Jefferson, which is, of course, right. where Woodward ends. Yes. So this is just one block. It's very close to the to the river.
1: It's right between uh, Hart Plaza, Campus Martius. Yes. It is right in the middle of downtown. Right. Um, And we should talk about parking. Uh, there are structures. Where did you park when you were down there? Well,
2: I've got a – I did use the Q line, and I've done this before. I found that there is free parking <gasps> and that I can usually find um, up in the New Center area around Grand Boulevard. Uh-huh. So you have to be willing to go down one of the side streets that maybe isn't as developed or doesn't look that great. No, the, but all those what? streets are – Fine yeah, there, of on. course they are fine and there's, you know, presence of right. – there's cops around. There's everything. I, I, I've got a little uh, 1991 retro um, uh, Mercury Capri. It's a convertible. So, mm-hmm. I mean, somebody could just, you know, rip that top off. But I've never had any problem there. I just, so you parked I, on a side street. I parked on a side street. About being, a
1: block from Woodward or – Yeah,
2: in the first block down a little ways, the first place I saw a space – uh, it's basically down behind the, um, White Castle.
1: Okay. And,
2: uh. Near Grand I,
1: Boulevard. Yeah. And, and then you walked the street, to street. The street I
2: parked on was Baltimore.
1: On Baltimore.
2: And, uh, and then, then I walked up and there's a queue line. In fact, it's the second to the last one. The last one being Grand Boulevard. Okay. It's the, it's the stop and you just walk into the middle. And at that point. The Q line is accessed uh from the middle of Woodward going both north and south. And how much and was your Q
1: line ticket?
2: I'm old, so my Q line ticket was a senior citizen rate of 75 cents.
1: And what is it normally, a $1.50? Uh
2: I think it's a $1.50 or you can get a $3 Four hour pass that would allow you to go back and forth, or and you can make transfers ha, to ha, the uh, the bus line. Has for those the
0: queue line actually run a consistent four hours? <laughs>
1: You know what it's I, it, yeah, you' I mean, had good experience on it,
2: very good, very pleasant. They have wi fi on it you've got uh, local um former anchor Car- carmen Harlan, oh really her she does the stops and everything oh. It's even more information than you want to know, wow, and but she's got these dulcet tones it's, it's very, less
1: than a year old at this the, point they've it's been clean. you know it's very clean it's I think it's beautiful. I've had trouble. Waiting for cars, I think Matt and I attempted to take the Q line several Uh, weeks ago, and it wasn't running. Well, uh,
0: you know, I've been doing a lot of foot work down there. That poor Q line, you know, it kind of goes – you know, people keep hitting it, or it keeps hitting not people but cars. Uh, It's – you know, and, and it gets checked out. People, on for, people
2: uh, have to learn how to coexist I think with, with light rail lines. I mean right. it's just – you know, you can't what? park on the We trucks. have to – what? We have to <laughs> – God, add,
0: add you were cool because you got that 91 Mercury, right, Capri? I want to see that car by the way. I'm a car
2: guy. Oh, uh, right. But – <laughs> You know, anyway. but uh, but yeah, I, my experience is there's only six of them, okay? They're very expensive, all right? Yeah, and for the whole first, you know, like half a year, they let people ride for free just right. to build up the you know, the <clears throat> um, just being to used get to people, it, to get yeah. people, yeah, into on it, it and, and you know, they were like packed at first, now a little less so. I don't know that it's ever going to be, you know, uh, something that will pay for itself. But I don't know that public transportation should have to be that, you know. That's <laughs> a very good point. Ed, uh,
0: you, you, you exceed docent, by the way. You, <laughs> your title is, is unique unto you. Uh, yeah. I
2: Can you tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up? Oh, where I grew up? Well, I was born in Kansas City. Okay. But my mother's family were all from out east. <clears throat> my dad's family were from the from Missouri and um you're supposed to go west young yeah, man yeah yeah well we did my my parents met in boston so they did go west so but then they uh this was right after the war and um you know my father had trouble with work out there and maybe wanted to get away from his family frankly so anyway they came back east and Uh, Detroit was a
0: boomtown after the – during the war. Willow Run. Yeah.
2: Well, that was the thing. My dad wound up coming to uh, Michigan and my mother had had some roots in Michigan. Although she had been a New Englander, she had gone to um, school totally in in Michigan. She graduated from Northern High School designed by Wirt (laughs) Rowland. You know,
0: we, we hope that there is a generation of people who are coming up that are like your parents. Mm -hmm. That are coming, that will come back to Michigan, that for reasons because of uh, 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 cheap housing or new innovative, you know, um, technology or, you know. Well, you know know
2: what? I think that that's uh, that's a good point, Matt, because like when I was on the queue line going back after my long stint down there, uh, going back to my car which was fine, by the way. Uh, I, um, You know, people are going to be looking for that. Yeah I, yeah, I know. <laughs> the, uh, on the way back, I uh, got on the line with this uh, gentleman, maybe a little younger than me, but not much, African-American man and his wife. And we struck up a conversation <clears throat> and he said, oh, gee, this is like a, Little tiny version of what I'm used to in New York. Well, he was a New Yorker. I said, Oh are you visiting?" And he said, "No, we've decided to move." So, so he wow. they had moved from New he tried York. Detroit's a
1: bargain, I'm sure, yeah. compared
2: to New York. Oh yeah, he said, "You know, we're 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 we're, we're living in- large for cheap." And, uh, and he said – he's and he's discovering – he hadn't been to Detroit in years and years and so he's discovering all these great things about it. And he said, I think we're just going to stay because this is a great place. It's
1: like, it is like uh, a great place. It's I, comeback city. Uh,
0: I was at Eastern Market doing, you know, man on the street and I, mm-hmm. I met a, uh, a young man who had just uh, graduated and got an appointment at <clears throat> uh, the University of Michigan Medical Center, which is uh, mm-hmm. my – you know, where I worked. And uh, his – he and his wife uh, had; they could choose anywhere to live, and they thought Detroit's kind of cool. So here's these East Coasters that have moved down to the yeah. you know Eastern Market area, and wow! So both both age ranges. That's right, fantastic.
1: It's wonderful. Well, I think we have done a pretty good job. No. Of, uh, no. Of talking about the Guardian Building, for sure. And I think that quite a few people may be interested in going down and checking out this absolutely spectacular masterpiece of a building. It's one of
2: a kind. There is nothing in the United States that is like it. There there are magnificent art deco structures. The Chrysler Building comes to mind. But none of them have just the raw um, power— of design and color, that, originality, um, and originality, artistry that you will find Ed, in this building. Absolutely, win, and win. check
1: that uh, Pure Detroit website. They do give tours every Saturday and Sunday.
0: Ed, are you are you leading those tours?
2: Uh, I don't think so. You know, it, we, we isn't the, that how you guys met? Uh, <laughs> not quite. uh Oh, did I, you meet at the schwitz no, <laughs> I. By the way, I love that podcast i listened to it after i discovered this and that was a great one that was really good
1: okay i think we're ready to wrap this up thank you everyone and uh go visit the guardian building
0: yeah for sure go guardian thanks linda thanks ed thank you